Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Welcome, everybody, to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. It is Tuesday, January 29th. I am back from the long leave. And hopefully, Scott does not pick apart my intros the way he was doing it. That was really mean stuff, Scott White. What? His intros were bad. Leave the poor guy alone. He's not a professional introer. I want, please, later this week, we've got two more podcasts coming up this week, right? Yes, three a week. Can we please, can we please on uh, Wednesday or Friday or Thursday or whenever we're going to podcast again, the next two podcasts, I would like for Scott White <laughs> to do the intro. <laughs> Fine. That works for me. Uh, you good with that, Scott? I mean, it wasn't like I was picking on his style. He had factual errors in the <laughs> intros that needed correcting. He said, welcome back, and you jumped all over him for that. Welcome back? We weren't on a break. <laughs> we were on it a was break. A new show. We hadn't done that show the day before. It had been two days since I we agree. podcast. I was fine well, with it. Like, are they just listening on a continuous stream one well, after another? Listen, I want to thank you guys for holding down the factual fort. Factual errors. You did a great job. We're going to do some rankings debates today. And uh, I chose the guys for the rankings debates, and I think I did a terrible job picking. Uh, I really did. These are going to be uh, really just talking about a couple players. I don't know where much of the debate is. Um, so we'll talk about that. Old dudes, a theme of today's show. I'm going to look at hopefully eight old dudes, and you tell me if they're too old. Well, oh, i got to get my uh, Adam Sandler soundbite queued up. Are they too old to be good? Um, and then Heath is going to give us sleeper, a breakout, and a bust for home runs and for strikeouts. He's been doing that with categories, plus your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I want to start with a little little advanced metrics talk, a little fan graphs talk here. Uh, and how much? Nerd alert! Yeah, nerd alert! Uh, how much do you guys trust batted ball data? Because um, I am tired of writing down had a career high hard contact rate last year. Uh, as Chris points out, he's not on the show, but he emailed us. What did he say? There was a three point five percent increase in uh, league wide hard hit percentage last year. Yeah, when uh, you're talking about league wide, that's significant it's huge you know yeah i mean some guys had like 15 percent increase you know yeah but but um, like okay so some of the guys we're talking about today donaldson miggy nelson cruz buster posey who's old for a catcher robinson cano um four of those five hitters had career high hard contact rates and it didn't necessarily translate into production well i i think you just have everything's relative yeah and so you do have to look at it in that light they're, they should have a career-high hard contact rate. Now, if they were worse than they've been in the past and they had a career-high hard contact rate and it went up more than league average did, then maybe we've got something there. But you also have to look at not just how hard they're hitting the ball, but how hard they're hitting the ball in certain instances. We have some guys like Eric Hosmer who seems to create a lot of hard contact and pulled balls, but they're all ground balls. Yeah. And then he hits the ball the other way in the air. So you have to dig a little deeper than just his hard contact was this. Mm-hmm. But that's not a bad starting place as long as you know what the new normal is. Right. It's it's to me the least reflective of anything performance-wise in the batted ball profile, how hard he hit it. Like the, the player who stands out the most 
where you say, oh, okay, look how hard he hit the ball and the numbers improved is David Peralta, who hit, whose hard contact rate was 17% higher last year. Everything else was basically the same, and he doubles his, he more than doubles his home run total. He goes from having a career high of 17 home runs to career high of 30. But generally, the more impactful changes is how many, uh, fly balls they're hitting versus ground balls, how many line drives they're hitting. That that says more normally about the production than hard contact versus soft contact. And, and I would disagree with that, which okay. is probably okay. not surprising. Like I, I think hitting the ball in the air is important. Line drive rate is it. It's very important. Like hitting line drives is awesome. And it's yeah, something that we want guys to that's do. That's how you get a high BABIP is by hitting line drives. And if you don't hit line drives, you get a low BABIP. Line drive rate is very, very wonky especially mid-season, it can just bounce all over the place because it's a pretty low number. And so I like to look at it personally more in terms of how many balls they're hitting in the air versus how many balls they're hitting on the ground. I don't particularly like line drive rate in small sample sizes. And then, you know, just to keep this going with the guys we're talking about today, Miguel Cabrera, yeah, his his uh, career, not exactly a career-high hard contact rate for him, I don't think, but it's still very high. But he, so many ground balls last year. And he was on pace for 12 home runs. He only played 38 games, but he was on pace over 155 games for, for 12 home runs. Uh, so yeah, there are a lot of things to look at. Uh, we got an email, I think it was from Gretchen. She said, which metrics do you guys look at? I think we sort of covered that. Um, and there's Gretchen? Little, uh, I think so. That's Gretchen, who used to email us like 10 years ago? Uh, let me see. Let me see, Scott. I'm not sure. Um, Gretchen. I guess there's more than one Gretchen in the world, but there can't be that many. I, I would guess we have dozens of Gretchens that listen to us. <laughs> yeah, I hear you reference things like hard hit rate, line drive percentage, etc., but don't really know what value I should be looking for if I look a player up on Fangraphs. That's Here a we're, blast from the past. That's like KCR 5 code times. What, one thing I would tell you that would help with that, Gretchen, because I think she also mentioned really not knowing necessarily when we say a certain stat what is good and how much better they are than good. Yeah. Also, on fan graphs, you can go to league stats, and you can go to batted ball data and see what the league average was for last year. And then you can kind of see what they were better than league average at and what they were worse than league average at. If you're looking for a reference point, when we're talking about somebody with a 24% line drive rate, it's probably helpful to know what league average is. And then, is really good. It, it, do you agree that if you find a guy with a, with a really good hard contact rate and, a, and an increasing fly ball rate, that that's somebody that could break out if he hasn't already with power yeah that's a good i mean that's like a good well that's, starting point those are two of the indicators we were always hyping for matt carpenter right and the guy who jumps out for me unfortunately i, I don't think you can count him because of the injury but gregory polanco um his fly ball rate went way up last year and i was thinking maybe he's ready for a breakout and then he got hurt but anyway more on that uh, some other time uh, let's have a pretty boring rankings debate. So Carlos <laughs> Martinez, you know, the thing is, they're good rankings debates in points leagues. But your roto rankings for these two guys are um, much closer. Carlos Martinez is Scott's number 22 starting pitcher in both points and roto. For Heath, he's 14th in points and he's 19th in roto. So let me ask you with Carlos Martinez, why is he five spots higher in points leagues? This is one of Heath's favorite players this year. 
Yeah, he's my one of my favorite. Like, we're just let's just make these points discussions, I suppose. And the big thing for Carlos Martinez in points leagues is that he's a spark. Okay, so that that's what it is. It's the RP eligibility that's boosting but, his. But points it's also right? like I have him three spots higher than Scott and Roto, and I think I feel a little bit more comfortable with him this year than Scott does. He had a bad year last year. He was just co- nearly constantly battling. I think it was a lat injury. Yeah. Yeah. And it just would come and then it would go and it would come and it would go. And I just, I don't think he ever quite got healthy, but you look at what he's done over the last three or four years and he looks like a pretty safe bet to be 180 innings with a low three ZRA and pretty close to a strikeout per inning. Scott, uh, well, why don't I tell you where Carlos Martinez has ranked over the past three years at starting pitcher when he has had a 301, 304 and 364 ERA. And he has thrown uh, 179 and two-thirds, 195 and a third, and 205 innings. That, that This is not last year. This is 2015, 16, 17. He was 26th in points, 24th in Roto. 20th in points, 18th in Roto. 14th in points, 15th in Roto. So it averages out to him being right around a top 20 pitcher over the last three years before his injury-plagued 2018 season. And you're not exactly low on Carlos Martinez, Scott. You have him 22nd, but lower than Heath. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to lowball him in my ranking. Looking at the names I have ahead of him, the one who I feel like I could drop behind him is Madison Bumgarner, who's actually on my bust list, so I wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, ahead of Bumgarner, I have Mike Clevenger, who I feel like is going to deliver similar numbers to Carlos Martinez, but without the he's coming off a season that was just completely devastated by injury. It just feels safer to me. Uh, you know, part of it's because I I feel better about the elite closers than maybe he does. I actually have four closers ahead of Carlos Martinez in my relief pitcher rankings. So, um, in order to in in order for those guys to be ahead of Martinez in my top three hundred, it it forces Martinez down the starting pitcher rankings a little bit. If I and the thing about Martinez in points leagues, because I I get that people would say, well, if he's a top twenty starter, you're not using him as a relief pitcher. I like the idea. We talk about flexibility a lot on the offensive side. I like the idea with as crazy as relief pitcher looks right now and is likely going to be this year. If one of my closers loses their job, I miss, don't necessarily have to go find a closer. I can find a two start pitcher for that week and just drop Carlos Martinez down to RP. I, so Heath, you think that people feel like if you have a top twenty starting pitcher, you're not going to use him as an RP? Because I, I don't, do. I don't agree with that. I, I think you would absolutely use him as an RP. Well, it, like if you're using a fourth round, he went in the fourth round of our most recent mock draft. Mm-hmm. And so if you're using a fourth round pick on him, which I think is justified, yeah, me too. I. I think you may use him in both places. It just depends when you get to the 20th round and you're looking at your fifth starting pitcher or your second relief pitcher, who's better then? Let me just see one last thing here. We look at 2000, uh, let's just look at 2016 when he was about 20th and how many points Carlos Martinez scored. He scored 484 fantasy points. Uh, that would have made him, oh, surprising, uh, the number five relief pitcher that year. Interesting, interesting. How about 484 fantasy points last year would have made him the number three relief pitcher in fantasy. So, And I, I have a hard time looking at last year's relief pitcher rankings because I don't think anybody's getting 57 saves. 
Like, right, but, but, but he's the only absurd. one. Um, yeah, he's absurd. Yeah, that was crazy. Okay, next rankings debate is Wilson Contreras, who uh, is third for both Scott and Heath in Roto, but in points leagues, Heath has Wilson Contreras sixth, and Scott has Contreras third. So, hmm. Scott, I'll give you the first word here. Uh, while you're three spots higher on Contreras than Heath, I guess you're speaking for Heath now, uh, in points <laughs> leagues. <laughs> I don't see anything... Um, points leagues that would hold him back specifically in points leagues in a way it wouldn't have been Roto. Uh, you know, it's the the catchers who I feel like specialize in their format are like Yadier Molina. I think it's significantly better in points leagues. Salvador Perez is probably better in Roto. But Contreras's skill set seems pretty well suited to both. So I, I that's I, I don't know. I feel like you have to ask Keith. Okay, I'll ask Keith. Keith? I agree with... Scott made a point on last podcast or the podcast before about how unlucky Contreras was in terms of home runs, and I agree with that. And he's on a really good offense, so I think he's going to get some, some RBI and some runs. He's going to hit more home runs. I worry about the strikeouts, and I think that those guys in that range from 3 through 6, 3 through 7, are all really, really close at catching. They are. Yeah, 3 and through I just 7. Ex- yeah, and yeah. I just expect those guys, like he might score a few more runs, get a few more RBI, or some of those doubles turn into home runs, and so he's a little bit better on Roto, but I, I would prefer the other guy. I don't feel like he's very safe. You don't feel like Contreras is safe? I mean, he had such a bad year last year. 249, 10 home runs in 138 games, and you just mentioned uh, 9.3% home run to fly ball rate when it was about 25% in his first two seasons. And it probably needs to be, you probably need to expect something like 18 25 is not really very reasonable with his batted ball profile, I don't think. It's, yeah, it's, it's, that's among like, that's Joey Gallo, the league outlier home run to fly ball rates. Just the fact that he did it two years in a row makes me wonder if that's more the norm. But last year was weird. Last year was drastically low. And yeah, I, I just feel like, I feel like the ultimate ceiling is higher for him than Grandal and Ramos. Although, I mean, it, it, I could certainly see him being the worst of those three again he was last year right this is Wilson Contreras we're talking about and I will say this he tied with Salvador Perez for the most plate appearances among catchers last year so that's a good thing for Contreras particularly in points leagues I mean yeah there's no threats to his playing time the Cubs like to mix and match players but there's not really anyone else there okie dokie that's uh our not really debate ranking debates uh, okay, I'm so, good at diffusing the debates, Adam. It's, yeah. it's the middle child in me. We're the <laughs> conflict resolvers, you see. I see, I see. Heath, are you an only child? No, no, I'm the uh, oldest. Oh, okay. Well, how about that? And I'm the youngest. So look at that. Oldest, middle, youngest. And I'm the oldest on this podcast. Yeah, you are. And that. So let's talk about old dudes. All right, let's talk about <laughs> some guys who are getting up there in age. And, and uh, yeah, this honestly, this discussion doesn't necessarily have to be about age, but hey, it's January 29th, and I we think have we have our reg- resident ageist. So. We do, we do. Uh, it's January 29th, and I think from now before we start the previews in about two weeks, let's just talk about a lot of players. Let's just get our thoughts out there on some on a lot of guys and get people acquainted with uh, with these players and some things they may not know about them. Anyway, Josh Donaldson. Let's start with Josh Donaldson, 33 years old. Not that old, but he feels old because he played 52 games last year, 113 games the year before. Um, 
Is he uh is he too old, Heath, Josh Donaldson? He's definitely not too old. Um I I think Donaldson has one of the widest ranges of outcomes of any player in fantasy baseball this year. Because listen, he he was bad last year. He was really never healthy last year. But if he if his calf's fine and he's one hundred percent in good shape and comes into this season and doesn't suffer another calf injury or another leg injury or any type of injury this year, he's got second round potential in what could be one of the best offenses in baseball. And you've he got also him also could play forty games. You've got him fourteenth at third base. I'm just going to look at roto rankings. You have Donaldson fourteenth, and Scott has Donaldson eleventh. What do you? I think? don't feel good about that. I don't think there's a good place. And you can't accurately rank him. I, I like yeah. where you, I like where you yeah. have him. I, but yeah, I go, think go that's I, I think I, I have a hard time ranking him too, and I haven't actually drafted him in a single mock yet. I, I am much more comfortable with Justin Turner among old third basemen who have injury histories because his well, we saw him bounce back in an incredible way at the end of last season after dealing with a broken handmade bone earlier, and that was more of a um, you know a, a catastrophic moment that messed up his season as opposed to the nagging calf thing, which has plagued Donaldson for two years. But I also agree that the the ceiling is still enormous. I mean, you look at 2017 when it was more like the first half that was ruined by the calf as opposed to the whole season. Well, the last two months of 2017, Josh Donaldson hit 302 with 22 homers and 1108 OPS. I mean, he was MVP caliber Donaldson again, uh, you know, just over a year ago. So that if, if, if he does manage to stay healthy, it could be a great find. And I, the fact that third base is probably the deepest position this year, pairing Donaldson uh, with like a, a Matt Chapman or even like a Mike Moustakis might not be such a bad idea if you're willing to invest two roster spots on a third baseman, which so far I haven't, but that, that might be something to consider more. Would you guys take Donaldson or Devers? Oh, Donaldson. Yeah, I think I have Donaldson ranked higher. I do. I have read some things about Devers that made me more optimistic that we get the post hype breakout, but I think there's more. There's definitely more upside for Donaldson. Oh, go on, Heath. What did you read about Devers? I believe he's uh, lost some weight. He needed to lose a little weight. I didn't want to say anything. I thought that was mean, but yeah. Blamed blamed his weight problems last year for some of his injuries and his uh, lack of energy. Okay. Okay, maybe it works. All right, Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera is an oldie, and he will be 36 years old in April. Still gives you the batting average. He batted 299. And, I mean, this is a guy where the batted ball profile, I think, well, the ground ball rate is pretty alarming. But he still hits the ball hard. We said that after 2017 when he batted 249 with 16 home runs. He was terrible. Um, last year, his his 155 game pace last year, Miguel Cabrera was 299 with 12 home runs and 45 doubles. <laughs> so I don't know like, who would you take first, Miguel Cabrera or Josh Donaldson? Definitely Donaldson. Miguel yeah. Cabrera is going to slide to the late rounds, uh, you know, like the 15 and up range. Which I I don't think there's much risk to taking him at that point. Uh, both of the past two years he was playing through injury. Obviously last year it didn't last for very long, but even in 2017, I think it was hip stuff he was dealing with, back stuff. Yep. I can't remember exactly, but he was he was playing through it the whole time, uh, which is part of the reason why we had hope for a bounce back last year. There 
seems to be talk now that Victor Martinez is retired that Miguel Cabrera is going to be mainly a DH for the Tigers, which yes, please, it, it could be huge. I yes. mean, that's what I mean. Nelson Cruz was a guy who could never stay healthy until he became a full time DH, and he enjoyed the best stretch of his career in his late thirties. Uh, you know, JD Martinez last year he. He could never stay healthy until the Red Sox made him a full-time DH, and now he's a first-round pick in fantasy. Uh, yeah. I, I, I feel like I feel like Cabrera is somebody worth gambling on. Then just for that. Yeah, I, the only thing that I question about that is that those guys move from the outfield, where you actually have to run and move quite a bit. Miguel Cabrera's been getting hurt every year playing first base. You dive and stuff. You stretch. I, I'd like a full <laughs> compilation of all the times Miguel Cabrera is d- dive, diving for balls in the last three years. So I do want to go back to that him playing full-time DH, though. Does that mean, Scott, that you're expecting John Hicks is going to be playing regularly at first? Uh, I think John Hicks is going to play a lot of catcher. Uh, may, well, maybe he'll play first. I don't know. They have a few options you could play first. Nico Goodrum. Um, I don't know exactly how they're going to work it out. So Miggy actually went 120th in the latest mock draft that you guys did, very end of the 10th round in a 12-team league. That's too early. He went right after, right in between Michael Conforto and Jerickson Profar, sitting there, Miguel Cabrera. Before that David Dahl, yeah, before A.J. Pollock. Yeah, that's too, what round was that? End of round you 10, said? 120th overall. Yeah, that's too high. He doesn't need to go that high. That that's I will not be investing in him at that point. Nelson Cruz went 92nd overall, and Nelson Cruz still hit for a ton of power, 37 home runs, 97 RBIs in 144 games. He usually plays more like 154 games, uh, but he batted just 256, and his BABIP was super low. Um, lowest of his career, I believe. Lowest BABIP since 2006, despite a career-high hard contact rate. For Nelson Cruz, 38 years old and still doing it now with the Twins. Uh, who, who's optimistic? Because if, if Nelson Cruz is right, getting him 92nd overall is a total steal. Who's optimistic about Cruz this year? For some reason, I feel like this is the year it all ends. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know if there's just something particularly scary about the number 38 for me. The fact that he's changing environments. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it is just the fact that, uh, last year his, you know, it seems like mostly a, a bad luck thing with the Babbitt, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's raising some concern in me that the ceiling is lower than I had been presuming it was. I, I don't know, but for some reason I, I don't, I don't want to invest him this year even. Like, 98th overall is about the earliest I'd do it. Wow. Uh, I, I'd be Cruz. pleased to land him at, at 98. 92, for the record. 92. I'd be pleased to land him there as well. What what draft are you looking at for this for these numbers? It's head-to-head 2019 Fantasy Baseball Draft Prep. Head-to-head mock draft has Max Scherzer at number one. Okay. The one you just did. Yeah. That was just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is Nelson Cruz we're talking about. Another thing that I noticed about him is he wasn't as consistent last year. Some people care about this, some people don't. First 40 games, he had a 724 OPS. Next 58 games, he had a 1064 OPS. He was amazing. And then the last 46 games, he had a 704 OPS. It's kind of what I noticed in Andrew McCutcheon, uh, like two years in a row, I think. Just like, 
he made his whole season on a torrid stretch, but for the most part wasn't a very good fantasy option. And that's kind of what we saw with Nelson Cruz. I don't know if that means anything. I will say that he's better uh, target field. I think I have this reversed. He has a 10-22 OPS in 30 games at target field compared to 849 at Safeco. So maybe getting out of Safeco could help a little. Um, yeah, I mean, he was basically the same guy from Baltimore to Safeco. So. But it was one year in Baltimore. It was three in Safeco. Um, yeah. All right. All right, that's Nelson Cruz. So let me throw out some names. Would you rather have Nelson Cruz or Josh Donaldson? Cruz. Yeah. Nelson. Eh, I think. I think that's that's a close call. <laughs> Nelson Cruz or Jesus Aguilar. <sighs> I feel like I need to be more in touch with my rankings to answer this. I think Cruz. Off the top of my head, Cruz feels safer. I'll say Cruz. I, I think I actually have them back to back. I'm going to lump two players together for this next one, and this could be honestly like a one one word answer, and we could move on. But do you have any concerns about? 34-year-old Max Scherzer and soon-to-be 36-year-old Justin Verlander, the top two pitchers in fantasy last year. Do you have any concerns about Scherzer and Verlander? No. I don't really either. Uh, Verlander's a little more concerning, but he's in my... I have five pitchers in the super elite tier at the top of that position. Among those five are both Scherzer and Verlander. Is is like how did Verlander get this good? The like the, it, the Astros cheat, right? Because uh, I mean, he had a 106 ERA in 2017 with Houston in 34 innings, and then had like his third best season ever, which for most pitchers would be like their best season ever uh, last year. But he, of course, is a legend. 2.52 ERA. He he wasn't this good before going to Houston, and he's going to be 36. I think the Astros um, take advantage of every possible edge that exists, whether it's in a computer or on a field or in practice or, and that's, which is exactly what I would want my team to do. Yeah. I'm not prepared to call them cheaters, but I think they do every single thing that other teams should be doing to make their team and their players better. I'm not calling them cheaters. I was just I, joking. Like I, I, I just had a discussion about this on Twitter actually this morning. Cause I, stumbled across what Ryan Presley did last year in the bullpen for the Astros as a middle reliever. And it was astonishing to me. And so I tweeted it out. And it just seems like that's what almost every pitcher does when they go to the Astros. Yeah. They get a lot better. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. All right. Uh, what he did statistically. I thought you were... Okay. No, statistically, he was... He was like... Looked like Josh Hader. Right. Oh, okay. well, now you've piqued my interest. I, he, I, I, I thought you came, wow. I thought you came across the explanation behind the statistics, which I was. No, he threw 23 innings, struck out 32 batters, walked three, had a 0.77 ERA and a 0.60 WHIP. When? Oh, oh, he got traded in Houston. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, three more. John Lester. Is 35 years old, and he is old, too old to be good for your fantasy team, right? John yeah, I mean it's yeah. not just the age; it's it's what the age seems to be leading to, which is diminished stuff. 
Do you... And he got away with it for a, a good stretch last season. That's why his ERA is still good and his uh, win. I mean, he, he tied for the, he was among the NL leaders with 18 wins, but it started to catch up to him towards the end of the season. And I, I don't want anything to do with him. I, I think, you know, he might be this year's Jake Arietta in terms of how far he ends up sliding. Swing strike rate was way down. Strikeouts were down. Way down. It wasn't good. Two straight years for Lester with a whip just above 1-3. That's, you can't, no, no. Uh, all right, uh, two more hitters. Buster Posey. He's not that old. He's going to be 32 years old in March, but he's coming off, I don't know, pretty serious hip surgery, repairing a torn labrum, microfracture, and bone spurs, not guaranteed to be ready for opening day. Uh, is this, like, the feeling that Scott gets about Nelson Cruz, I'm getting about Buster Posey. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we may have seen the last of Buster Posey as, like, a must-start catcher. I, I'm glad that he had the hip surgery, and I have an explanation for what went wrong last year um i'm a little concerned but he is falling far enough in drafts he's going behind i think he's going seventh or eighth at catcher and i still think in points leagues with as much as he walks and as little as he struck strikes out he easily has top five potential so i'm not going to shy away from drafting buster posey in points leagues especially since he's going to be available likely in the double digit rounds yeah you know i was actually with you adam until the news broke late last year that he needs this labrum repair, uh, repaired because he has been playing through it all season. Cause that, yeah. uh, that's a that serious explains. surgery though. Yeah. It, it, it is, but it's not like, it, it's not one that ends up having a negative outcome all that often. Okay. Um, you know, it's going to take some work to come back from and it'll probably be harder for a catcher. But I think the the uh, like Keith was saying in a points league, he, Posey has so many advantages built in for that format that he doesn't necessarily need to be a guy who hits twenty homers to stand out at the position. I, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, I completely agree. I, I think in categories or roto, it might be different, but in a points league. If he played 105 games last year, if he had played 140 games at his rate, which was he slugged 382, and yet if he had played 140 games, he would have been the number two catcher in points leagues. He would have tied Yasmani Grandal. Um, they averaged the same amount of fantasy points per game. At least that's the way I have it. Scott, you can double check, but Grandal and Posey, I think they write about the same, and Grandal was the number two catcher. So, yeah, he he can. I, I just don't know that he's going to be a big difference maker, but. Certainly in points. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're drafting him as the number two catcher, that's probably a mistake. Yeah, just in terms of relying on him to bounce back completely, that's a mistake. Last guy is Robinson Cano, thirty six years old. Guess who had a career high uh, hard contact rate last year? It's Robinson Cano. Um, what do we think? Does uh, does Cano have another good year left in him? Heath Cummings. I, I think he could. I mean, you've got the benefit of going to the Mets and their excellent training staff, so you know that uh, <laughs> help him manage his age a little bit. I'm I'm a little bit concerned though as well. I mean, he hasn't he, in Seattle. He was really, except for one year, never the player he was as a Yankee, and I don't think we should ever expect him to bounce back to that player again. Uh, but he could be 20 homers, 80 runs, 80 RBI, and hit 290. Yeah, so that's what is another. That? 
What, what, what kind of player is that? That to me sounds like um, after outside the top 100. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, th- this is another player who's helped a lot by format because his plate discipline is so good. He was better on a per game basis than both Ozzy Albies and Scooter Jeanette last year. Really? I don't. I don't think can know somebody I'm going to invest highly in at Roto, but and I'm not going to invest highly in him in points. Like I haven't ranked behind those two, but I I think the I, I think he might be a value in that format just because so many assume he's washed. Okay, oh, I th- he, I didn't, he's a low end starting second base. It didn't sound like Scott was was done there when he said washed. I, it threw me off. I'm rusty. Mm. I'm rusty. You are rusty. You don't know my speaking patterns. <laughs> Forgotten. All right, we got some news and notes to get to. We'll get to that uh, in just one second. Stay tuned. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, news and notes uh, starts with Manny Machado. Padres reportedly interested in Manny Machado, and the Padres could be interested in JT Realmuto. I don't want to speculate. We'll see where he ends up. But Machado uh, has been a lot better at home than on the road in his career. The Reds making progress on a Realmuto deal, according to John Heyman. And guys, Real Muto, now last year is great, both home and on the road, but in his career, he's had like Yelich-like splits, where mm-hmm. so no, good. I would say even more, bigger than Yelich. Yeah, so I know, Scott, you already have Real Muto ahead of Gary Sanchez. Um, if he goes to the Reds, Heath, would you move Real Muto ahead of Gary Sanchez? Yeah, I think I would. Like if he goes to the Padres, I definitely would not, and that doesn't even make any sense for the Padres to do that. I don't even know why they're considering it. Um, but the Reds, yeah, that might be one team where I would. Oh uh, yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, Kenley Jansen threw off a mound for the first time since having heart surgery. He's he lost weight, says he feels good. And uh, what's your level of confidence in Kenley Jansen? I, I would just say be prepared for April Kenley Jansen to not be throwing very hard. And concerns about his velocity. Cause there, I read something a couple days ago and he was talking about how he thought one of the problems last year was he got too concerned with his velocity early in the year and not as concerned about his, uh, pitch location. And so he's not going to worry about how quickly he ramps up velocity this year. Okay. He's fifth for Scott. He's sixth for Heath, which is much lower than we're used to seeing Kenley Jansen. 
Uh, Houston could uh, be interested in re-signing Dallas Keuchel and Marvin Gonzalez. Texas manager Chris Woodward named Jose Leclerc uh, the closer, which will give us plenty of good My Cousin Vinny jokes. Leclerc was outstanding last year. 156 ERA, 85 strikeouts in 57 and two-thirds, .85 whip. Just has to keep the walks down. Uh, Nick Castellanos could be traded. Seems like he will be traded. And then tell me uh, if you care about this. Oakland signing Marco Estrada, Estrada to a one-year $4 million deal. It's hard to make me care about that. Okay. I didn't like Marco Estrada when he was pretending like he was good. <laughs> uh, uh, the Dodgers won't platoon A.J. Pollock by all indications. Make a oh, trade. No. Make a trade. Make a trade. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know about Max Muncy. Corey Seager not guaranteeing he'll be ready for opening day. Can Max Muncy play shortstop? <laughs> Jimmy Nelson is, says he will not have any physical limitations in spring training. He is full go. Jimmy Nelson. We'll see if the stuff is. Quit Merrifield. Dude, who is his agent? Four years, Stop. just over sixteen Stop. million. What? Here's what you don't. And okay, so they bought out his arbitration years, right? Is that what you're gonna say? He will be a free agent the same year he would have been a free agent. You don't He's think not he... even eligible for arbitration yet? You this don't think he would have made more in arbitration? To... Here's what I'm saying. This year he was, I believe, going to make the major league minimum. He's eligible for arbitration the first time next year. Then he has three more years of arbitration. None of those are guaranteed. This is a guy who's 30 years $4 million old, who's year. never signed a major league contract, never made a million dollars in a season. Yeah, because his he agent guaranteed sucks. himself $16 million. <laughs> this is smart for Whit Merrifield. Pete, have you seen inflation these days? What do you get for $16 million? Come on. Um, Brian Braun is changing his swing. He's getting Four all, Marco he's getting all nerdy. <laughs> Ryan Braun. Yeah, Marco Estrada and, and, uh, Whit Merrifield have the same annual salary. No, you know, we're that, only that, making one million this year. Oh, okay. That's actually an interesting note about Ryan Braun because one of the reasons I feel like the decline came so soon for him is because he was a guy who always relied on having an elite home run to fly ball rate. He didn't hit a ton of fly balls for the kind of power hitter he was. Uh, I assume I assume he's going fly ball revolution, changing his swing. Yeah. I don't know. You found the note. No, I'm pretty. I'm pre- I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna hit more fly balls. Ryan Braun. Um. Okay. Ryan Braun or uh, Josh Donaldson. Who do you take first? Donaldson. Donaldson. I mean, Braun still has the issue of bad back. Never gonna play every day. Okay. But. So Ryan Braun or Miguel Cabrera. I'll go Cabrera. Me too. Okay. Ryan Braun went 195th in this draft, so way down. D. Gordon went 198th? It is a points league. Uh, let's read a couple of emails. Fantasy Baseball at CBSI.com. From Chris S. in Austin. Team name Tuesday. Dear Dante, Dante, and Bo, this is the best possible team name for 2019. Sons of Bichettes. That's <laughs> It's pretty good. It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, I, it's the best team name I've heard so far in 2019. Yeah, yeah I mean, way to go. Yeah. First team That's... name I've heard in 2019. Right. Yeah. 
Because uh, you've heard you've heard Bouchette turned into, you know, if you're turning it into a vulgarity, there seems to be a clearer one, clearer direction you could go than that one. Oh, that's pretty good. Really? But yeah, what? Yeah. Well, like what, what Bichette is it, happened. Oh, Bichette Bichette that, happened, that's yeah. good. Scott White. I like Sons of Bouchette's better though. Okay, you're loud. Email of the day number two is from Dan. Subject line: One of you makes me lose. Dear Sophia, Blanche, Rose, and Dorothy. Golden girls. Thank you for being a friend. In 2014, <laughs> I won my CBS League, and then I started to listen to your podcast regularly in 2015 or 16. Since then, I finished seventh and eleventh the past two years. Each of you, please state your own reasons why I should continue to listen to your filthy mouths when considering rankings, who to start, pick up, etc. If one of your answers happens to be something involving me being invited to one of the podcast leagues, you're allowed to use that as reasoning and not have to say anything else. <laughs> Scott, why don't you make doesn't your case? Sound, it doesn't sound like you're you're uh, you're going to be much competition for the podcast league. <laughs> Burn! <laughs> and you listen to us, and that's still the best you could do. Jeez, I, I'm starting with the man in the mirror, Dan. Oh wow! Okay, so that's as far Scott's as what reason. Your problem is. Scott yeah. is saying just, that you're I don't have to justify myself. You're the problem. Heath's saying he doesn't have to say it, and I'm <laughs> saying I don't give any advice. Well, I do, but you know nobody listens to it, so it's on you, Dan. I will read your keeper question though. Puig, Conforto, or Peraza, same price, uh, five by five OBP league. Puig, Conforto, or Peraza? I was leaning Conforto, and then you said OBP league. I think that clinches it. Michael Conforto. Oh, man, I. I I understand why Conforto, and you'll want to keep Conforto longer. I've got a feeling dun, that dun, 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 this this dun. could be like <laughs> what we've been waiting for from Yasiel Puig. So who do you rank? You you rank Puig higher? I think I have them back to back. I'm going to look right now. That's uh, it's funny. I I really um, I messed up in Roto. Too. I have Puig and Conforto back to back. Oh, how about that? Okay, uh, yeah, so he, Chris mentioned this on a previous show. I hate the fact that Chili Davis is the Mets hitting coach. God, he, like, what a bad track record Chili Davis has. So, just say it. Well, his last three stops what? are the Red Sox, Cubs, and now Mets, right? I, I don't know, but those teams have been pretty good. Not with Chili Davis. I mean, so, well, okay, so Chili Davis I, 2017 was with the Red Sox. That was their terrible year. 2018 was with the Cubs. Terrible year. And now he's going to the Mets. But he also was with the Red Sox 2015 and 16. The Mets would would take the 2017 Red Sox season or the 2018 They Cubs don't have season. the same players, you know. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't remember hearing anything bad about him until he went to the Cubs. And it, it may have been... The Cubs won 95 games last year. They right, hit like but, crap. You know, yeah, they didn't. They didn't hit as well as they their should. best players anyway. Bryant, Rizzo, uh, and it may have been more of a personality clash thing. I mean, no, it's a philosophy it, thing. Well, Bryant was hurt. no. It, it doesn't sound like Chili Davis's philosophy is um, it bad. Well, it's, it doesn't sound like it's. It, it seems a little outdated. It yeah, does, but at uh, the but... same time, he doesn't like. How much authority does a hitting coach really have? Uh... Like, isn't it to some degree on the player to know? What to just ignore? If you're saying, hey, if you're the hitting coach, you're saying, hey, our approach is going to be let's go opposite field and not what I, you know. What and, happens? What happens if Chris Bryant doesn't? Is he getting benched? I don't know, but he's being a nice guy. Let's give him credit for listening to his coach, Scott, Coach Killer. 
Um, I'm just the Cubs. I don't think they were that bad last year. Well, but Brian and Rizzo took a step back for sure. Well, Wilson Contreras. I mean, like the three hitters we were most excited about in fantasy, their power was sapped. Okay. They, I mean, they haven't had nice things to say about him since he left, right? They were uh, they were happy to they get rid were of the him. number eleven offense in Team Woba. Yeah, that's okay. not very good. Could be better than that. They could have been Heath. I was going to do uh, two of your categories today, but maybe we'll do one. Heath, so let's just let's just do one. Maybe we'll do one. Uh, well, you know, we could, we could do three tomorrow. Uh, the old guys took a while. Let's start with home runs and see where we get, Heath. You're always pretty I, quick. I'd with rather the do analysis. strikeouts. All right, let's do strikeouts. He has a sleeper, a breakout, and a bust in the strikeout categories or category. Strikeouts category. That's what I meant to say. Here's the thing that I noticed about strikeouts when I was looking at last year. There were 18 guys that struck out uh, 200 hitters. This is pitchers striking out hitters, by the way. Yes. Go on. That's why I said struck out 200 hitters. (laughs) Uh, There were in it. There's. It's not a huge drop off. There's like another 10 or 12 that struck out at least 180, but there was a huge difference in the performance in the other categories of the guys that were over 200 and the guys that fell just short. The guy that fell, the guys that fell just short were mostly a bunch of guys that weren't actually that good last year. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, and you, it kind of led me to look at like how many pitchers were good in all four of the non saves categories. And it was almost all of those guys that had 200 strikeouts. So who's your sleeper this, this year? It's John Gray, who wasn't very good last year. And it's a couple of things. One, he was a little bit unlucky. He gave up a ton of home runs. He gave up too much hard contact. Part of that was because he wasn't locating his pitches as well. Um, he, I read an article on MLB.com about his offseason. He has trouble eating on game day. He lost like 30 pounds during the season last year because they couldn't find anything for him to eat on game day. What? He's got a new nutritionist. He's working on that. He spent the offseason working on his leg strength because he was having a hard time on his land landing on his ankle that he had the injury on 2017. And in January, he visited driveline baseball, which is now like the fix all for all pitchers. And he wasn't that bad last year. He still struck out more than a batter per inning and still had good control. I, I think it's a bounce back year for John Gray. And I think there's a pretty decent chance he's the best pitcher on the Rockies. 512 ERA. Just want to see the splits here. Um, not pretty similar home and road. Uh, and that's always been the case with him, you know, and, and I like that because he's, not a guy that can't pitch at Coors Field. He he can, certainly can. He was actually a little bit better at Coors Field last year. All right, so John Gray, he's a sleeper in general, I'm sure. But he's a strikeout sleeper uh, for sure. Um, a strikeout breakout. Who you got? It's Jack Flaherty. You know Jack Flaherty actually struck out like 225 hitters last year. It's just five starts came in AAA. I didn't know that. If if he had just made 33 starts, we'd probably already view him as a top 15 starting pitcher. Really, the only thing that was went wrong for him was he had those minor league starts, and he had some pretty terrible win-loss luck at 8-9. and nine. If he pitches just like he did last year and stays healthy, he's a top 15 starting pitcher. I've still got him ranked too low, and I just am really struggling with which of these guys I'm supposed to move him above. But I think he's he should definitely jump into that 200 strikeout category. He's got a good shot at 225, 230, and he's got a good shot at being a top 12 starting pitcher. 
All right, that's Jack Flaherty. I, I remember. I feel like at one point in the season, it was like it, you know, it was the debate: who do you like better going forward or next year, Jack Flaherty or Walker Bueller? Yeah. And now it doesn't really seem like much of a debate, right? right. Like everybody's got I mean, Bueller. Ahead. Bueller was just ridiculous over the you know the last couple months of the season, right? So he he, sure was. he, then he slammed the door on that. Debate, yeah. but at the time we were having the debate, I was saying Flaherty. <laughs> I've got Flaherty one spot behind Bueller right now. Yeah. All right. So uh, John Gray sleeper, Jack Flaherty breakout, and who is your strikeouts bust for 2019? J Hap. There's a couple of reasons. One, and this is I think pretty consistent with what I've said for four years since I first came to CBS. If a guy has a massive improvement in a skill in their mid-30s, I'm probably not going to believe that that's going to stick. J-Hap has never struck out more than a batter per inning, and he did last year. And he did it with the lowest swinging strike rate other than Rick... Other than, there was one other guy, I don't think it was Porcello, it was one other guy that had a strikeout rate as high as he did. He's not a strikeout pitcher. He's not going to be as good as he was last but year. But he was 8.8 in 2017. Is, sure. that, is that realistic for J-Hap, you think? I think he, yeah, I think that's possible. Take take away a strikeout per inning. Does that make him a strikeout pitcher at eight point eight or or no? No, that makes him about average now. Okay, Scott, anything anything about uh, anything to say about John Gray, Jack Flaherty, or uh, J Hap? They all have uh, they all start with the letter J. <laughs> Shouldn't you have picked three guys to start with the letter K for for strikeouts? Close enough. They're back to That's back. That's not how it works, Adam. They're back to back the alphabet. Um, anything to say about these guys, Scott White? Nope. That, that all sounds fine to me. I may not be as much of a downer on Hap, but I certainly see the bust potential. All right, let's read some emails to end the show at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We're coming back tomorrow morning with our second of three podcasts this week. Our third is scheduled for Friday. This is from Big Twerk. Says, hey, booze. Uh, like B-O-O-S, not boo, not Z-E. Please give three good reasons why my league should do batting average over on base percentage. Um, I don't believe your league should do it, but if I had to come up with three reasons, the very first reason would be almost all categories rankings are based on batting average and not on base percentage. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to study. I'll give you three reasons. Reason one: okay. walks are lame. Reason <laughs> two: swing the bat. Reason three: <laughs> it's harder to get hits than draw walks. Yeah, I yeah. think you should. If like if you're trying to put up put together a league that values the things that are important in baseball, you should definitely use on base percentage instead of batting average. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, I I am I'm kind of a traditionalist as far as this goes. I just like familiar things that inspire joy, which traditional <laughs> roto does in me. Uh, but if that you know if there's no nostalgia factor for you there, then uh, OBP is certainly more reflective of ability. Yeah, walks are lame. You should swing the bat, and it's harder to get hits than draw walks. And all that said, I'd rather have OBP than batting average. But I guess, you know, batting average is a real skill now. I mean, so is OBP. But 
Maybe yeah, it's I like, mean, it's it's OBP is a more valuable skill, I guess. No, I batting you know, average is a skill. I don't know that I agree with that. Be- just because walks are so high now, right? I mean, walks are so easy to get you, at this point. I, if you get on base more, it's more valuable than if you get on base less. It doesn't but, really matter how. Okay, but it's not like a guy who has a high batting average has zero walks. You know, like part of OBP is batting average, and yeah. getting putting the ball in play is more valuable than just drawing a walk for many reasons. Right, but if you're taking, you'd rather the more valuable player is the one who gets on base more. If it's if it's mostly batting average, fine, but you know there are plenty of players who get on base and hit for lower averages, and vice versa. No, okay. Who who's a more valuable player? Three hundred hitter, three fifty on base, five hundred slugging, or two eighty hitter. 370 on base, or 380 on base, 450 <laughs> slugging. Probably the 380 on base guy. No way. Although you've introduced slugging yeah. into the equation, which yeah, changed, uh, it's, it's changes the guy a little, but I still think it's the on base guy. No way! I think it's probably, the, it's probably, probably the slugging guy. Yeah, of course it's the slugging guy. I mean, 30% difference in on base percentage is enormous. 50 per- but if you, 30 points, not 30%. 30, 30 yeah, you, points, you, you 50 should, points. You, to make this fair, you should make the difference in slugging the same as the difference in on base. Okay, fine. Well, then we're just that is the same OPS. more valuable, which I think has Actually, been proven to be. That's a good question. No, that's a great one. So you have guys with the same OPS, but uh-huh. different, but one guy has 30 more, uh, OBP points and one guy has 30 more slugging points, I will definitely take the slugging guy. He's going to hit more well, home runs. The math has been done on this. I don't, I couldn't recreate the math for you, but the math showed it. The on base percentage is more important. But wouldn't the, yeah. wouldn't the guy with the higher slugging have more total bases? Yes. So how but is that not more valuable? There's not, there's not a total bases on the scoreboard. Yeah, but that's obviously going to create runs. Well, because you're avoiding outs, which is the, you only get 27 of those in a game. Ah, yeah, but you have to score runs to win. Home runs right. score runs. Well, but that guy did his don't job. Make outs, if you don't make outs, you get longer to score those runs. <laughs> I don't know. I think baseball's dumb. Uh, Ryan in St. Louis. <laughs> uh, in a keeper auction league, I have Kluber. I was offered Bryce Harper for him. They're the same price. Would you give up Kluber for Harper? Yes. I would, too. Especially in a keeper league. From Pete. Keeper question, 10-team points league. I can keep two in uh, two rounds before I took them last year. So I'm keeping Blake Snell for a 10th round pick. Here's my uh, Here are my other options. One of these three. Bregman in the 4th, Albies in the 14th, Miles Michaelis in the 20th. Bregman. I, I think I would go Bregman as well. Uh, Jeff in – yeah, sorry. Um, no, I, mean, I would did, go Bregman. Did, the that discount is obviously smaller, but if you it, pretty much if you're getting a stud at, at any kind of discount, it's more valuable than anything else. Jeff in Iowa, uh, I desperately want to compete this year with in fantasy baseball. I've been listening to your podcast, but other than that, what is the single most important thing I can do to prepare for the season? Are there books or articles you recommend reading? Other podcasts, other options I haven't considered. Definitely not other podcasts, Jeff. No way. Go to our draft prep page. Scott's got like four billion articles. I've got a couple as well. Definitely, yes. Go to our draft prep page. Read Scott's tiers. If you're playing Roto, read about my categories. 
read our sleepers, breakouts, and busts. We're going to have a ton of content. Chris is writing like 5,000 words about every player in baseball or something. <laughs> um, it's, yes. I feel really good about the tiers this year, by the way. After a couple of years where I felt like they were all kind of merging together and there weren't as clear divisions within positions, I think I think the tiers are um, are going to be very useful this year. Pos- position scarcity seems to be making a little bit of a comeback, and that's where it, that's what tiers are best at helping exploit. Ryan in Oklahoma with our last question: Ten team five by five roto keeper league OBP instead of average. We can keep six players. Their cost increases by one round uh, per year. So it's again five by five OBP league. Would you rather have Francisco Lindor in the 22nd round or Juan Soto in the 25th round? Uh, Lindor. Lindor, for sure. Yeah. I mean, three-round difference that late in draft is basically nothing, and Lindor is, you know, he might go as early as third overall in some drafts. But how about this? I'm looking at his other keepers. Would you rather have Soto in the 25th or Ozzy Albies in the 24th? Soto. Yeah, so do that. Bye, guys. Yeah, that's oh, weird. yeah. Way, way more. Yeah, why did he... Why Aussie, he using all these? He's terrible. <laughs> Gosh. Hey, it's good I to mean, be back. I mean, there's nothing wrong with keeping all these in round 24, but Soto on 25 is better. Thanks for putting up with me for an hour, everybody. Scott and Heath, great job uh, in January. I appreciate it uh, while I was gone. Scott gets to intro our next few shows. And uh, get, get excited for that. But maybe you can outro the shows because I still don't know how to do that. Bye, everybody. Bye.